0: Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. Before we get started, if you like what you hear and you want to help us be part of this movement to unleash the gospel, be sure to subscribe and share our podcast with your family and friends. And while you're at it, leave us a review on iTunes.
1: Hello, listeners. This is Danielle. Usually, Father Steve Polis does this intro, but today I am doing it because today I am interviewing Father Steve Polis, and we'll be learning all about him and his deep love of aardvarks. Take a listen. Welcome to Open Door Policy.
0: Wow, Danielle. Danielle- Can you
1: make it like sound- Can can our producer make sound effects like it's a Mexican game show? (laughs) Welcome, Welcome to Open, open Door, door policy. policy. Do you Are you ready for rapid fire questions?
0: I'm not because, Danielle, we <laughs> normally do like graces Dude, in, she, in each other's so lives. True. So, so true. give me a grace, uh, ah. something going on in your okay,
1: life. Okay, so this one's going to sound really silly, but definitely definitely hit at the heartstrings. Um, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that. This, uh, but
0: (laughs) talk about enticing. I know, (laughs) I know, I know,
1: I know. Well, because it's kind of like a product placement thing, but Budweiser made a really nice ad for Father's Day. Oh, Um, saw it not on Father's Day, like the other day. Yeah. But But. it was about adoption and stepfathers and the fathers who step up. And as you know, my brother is a stepfather and adoptive father. And there's like a little surprise twist I'm not going to give away, but it was really touching and very beautiful.
0: Shout out to Dave Center and all the other um, adopting fathers and stepfathers out your there. Family? There is my brother Joe and oh, his yeah, wife right. adopted a you, beautiful little girl.
1: Were you at the? Adoption? I was at the courthouse yeah. when it
0: happened. It was awesome. It was a blast.
1: Did the, was the child old, young? Like can no, they she was it? newborn.
0: Oh, brand really? Brand new. They got her, I think, like a week after she was born, and it was beautiful.
1: That's a, so. My uh, my niece was adopted when she was a toddler. Okay. And like you know, the the judge comes in, all rise, everyone rises, and then yeah. they're like, and then like they all greet each other like very very formally, uh, like. They say like greetings, Judge, whatever, greetings. And then they got to her and she was like, Hi. <laughs> Cause she didn't even know any better. Anyway, are you ready for rapid fire questions? Now I'm ready. One, what is your most used emoji?
0: I am a fist bump emoji guy. That's my most used one.
1: Um, what would your walk-up music be?
0: It would be box, Brandenburg, concerto <laughs> number two.
1: <laughs> um, what is your favorite piece of religious art?
0: I love Fra Angelico has a beautiful um, Madonna and Child. I love. Fra Angelico was the Renaissance painter known to have a rare and perfect talent.
1: Okay, um, what do you think is overrated?
0: Hmm. I think Scotch is way overrated.
1: Hmm. Okay. Um. What literary character would you want to be your friend?
0: Ooh, I should know this by now because we've asked so many people Yeah, and you're um, a reader too I do, I like reading um, I think a literary character I would love to be friends with Is Captain Ahab Do you ever ponder
1: the movements of whales around the four oceans? What is your favorite hymn?
0: I've been to a few ordinations in the past month And so, oh God, beyond all praisings mm, on my heart right, right now
1: song. What season would you be?
0: <laughs> um I would be uh fall
1: Um, What is the best piece of advice you have ever been given?
0: Yeah, I've been given a lot of advice, but... uh, But no, 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 like
1: good advice.
0: Oh, (laughs) I think, uh, you know, advice from Jesus, of course, and lots of other people. Just be not afraid.
1: What is your favorite Bible story?
0: The woman caught in adultery.
1: Nice. What non-traditional pet would you have?
0: I would have an aardvark. (laughs)
1: Good, good, good. Okay, so let's let's pull these apart a little break bit. Break them open. Okay, first of all, that concerto is that true? You can't you can't just lie about stuff. Well, this is real.
0: I, okay. Well, what I would say is I love that piece of music. When I was in high school and I played basketball, that was one of my warm up songs. And I love like it gets me hyped. Dang. And it's so like counterintuitive that uh, I like kind of the. Um, Kind of the, the weirdness of it, too. Okay. So, yeah. Not so that's mad a about legi- that. That's a legit answer.
1: Okay. Okay. Fry Angelico, what piece is it?
0: I don't know the name of it. I, I used it for my holy card because I fell in love with it. It's gold, kind of a gold background. And it's just an image of Mary and the baby Jesus and her holding Jesus. And it, I don't know, I could stare at it for a long, long time. I think it. it's very inviting to see, you know, um, Jesus is... Uh, littleness coming into the world in the incarnation and Mary as the mother um, of Jesus, how he entrusts himself to us and the gold like of it just makes me think of how like royal the ordinary looking things are mm-hmm. when God touches them.
1: Yeah. Frangelico is a fascinating artist because he kind of like transitioned art history from like just two-dimensional to the more three-dimensional.
0: See, I didn't know that about him. Like, I I like his work. I, I'm not a student of art history, yeah. so I didn't I didn't know that. That's awesome.
1: Well, now now when you go back to can Assisi, do, yeah. you can like take a look and be like, "That's that." Okay, so Scotch. Why don't you like it?
0: Because it's I nasty. I assume you mean
1: like the drink, yeah, not yeah. like
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not the, the culture. Tape? Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> the tape. <laughs> <I> <laughs> this was like, is where are you dumb. Adhesive like <laughs> plastic. Right. <Okay. laughs>
0: uh, no, the drink. Yeah, I. Am um, I've tried it a couple of times and I think it's disgusting and <laughs> I hear people talk about it like, oh, this wonderful PD, 14 year old from a cave and, <laughs> you know, the the islands of Northern Scotland. I just think, oh my goodness, this is awful. That's- Send it back to the cave.
1: <laughs> what a scoundrel. okay, okay. 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 Aardvark though? Yes. This, there's a family story, right?
0: There, there's a kind of a weird, a, a weird family story. I won't get into uh, here, but uh, yeah, like my brother, Mike um, always talked about having an aardvark and uh, we, I lost him, you know, a number of years ago. And uh, when you asked me that question, I just thought of like um, that reminded me of him. And if I had to get one, I would get one in honor of my brother, Mike.
1: Would you name it for him?
0: I would name it um Arthur the Yardvark.
1: Yeah. A-A-R-D-V-A-R-K. A-A-R-D. Final question.
0: Final question.
1: Okay. Um favorite Bible story. Of there are a lot of stories in the Bible. There are? <laughs> At least seven.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not okay. sure.
1: But the woman caught in adultery.
0: I find it just beautiful how Jesus. Um, goes into the just the messiest place in her life, and he has every right to condemn her for her actions. Mm -hmm. He sees how the crowd has really dehumanized her by treating her as like this pawn so that they could trap him, and how Jesus looks past like her own faults, how the crowd has treated her, what people expect of him, and he reaches out in love and mercy in a way that is... Um, shocking and beautiful. And uh, every time I read that gospel story, I just think of like how Jesus calls me to love in that kind of courageous and humble way.
1: Cool. This has been Rapid Fire Questions. Hey, Father Steve. Okay. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about you. Sure. And talk about your experience with this Jesus guy. How did you meet him? What's going on? How did you become a priest? One time I was doing a confirmation retreat with a different priest. And we got all these questions from kids. One One kid asked, did you grow up in a church? Like, not like the Catholic church, but like a church. <laughs> like, like born you're, and raised yeah, like inside. Your, your parents were like, here's our child. Let him become a priest. Was that your experience too? Yes, no?
0: That, that kid must have read scripture because that's what they did with <laughs> like, like Samuel right. in the Old Testament. Yeah. And, and John the Baptist at a young age was consecrated to the Lord. It's like not that. biblical,
1: but Mary, that's what they say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, uh, that's not what happened. Somewhat similar. I'm uh, one of 10 in my family. So uh, similarly, like radically Catholic. My family was super Catholic, right? Um, our Catholic faith was the center of our life. So we went to mass every Sunday. I can probably count on one hand, the number of Sundays I've missed mass, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think we had a snowstorm one, mm-hmm. uh, one year and we didn't go. And I was thinking, what? Like, what, <laughs> what, what, what is this? We should so, walk there. <laughs> yeah, I was just so confused. Um, so yeah, we went to mass every Sunday. We prayed the rosary together pretty much every night and prayed uh, grace before meals. You know, our went to Catholic school. Faith was really the center of our lives growing up. And I really commend my parents for the sacrifices and the determination they made to set that vision. Um, that cost a lot of like, you know, just not fitting in in certain places. Uh, I'm sure even for them, but cost, you know, um, a Discipleship always has a cost, right? Yeah. And to put Jesus first in your life means you say no to other things. And it was very clear that that was what my parents were doing with our family. So I went to grade school and high school, Catholic schools, and loved it, played sports, uh, was involved in... Theater. Theater. Uh, I was in the play in high school and uh, a number of you know, different things. I did um, quiz bowl and forensics and uh, a number of different activities um, and always went to mass. I was an altar boy, altar server, uh, and in high school, I did that when I graduated high school. I went to a small Catholic liberal arts college uh, in in Detroit, in Metro Detroit here. It's called St. Mary's College of Ave Maria University in Orchard Lake. And I went there because I got a full ride scholarship. And being one of 10 in our family, we were on our own for college, right? Same, same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, this is where I'm going to go. And little did I know they had a program called a Catholic Integrated Core Curriculum. So to go there... We had to take certain theology and philosophy classes, which I was a little annoyed about. Um, I wasn't <laughs> looking forward to that. I loved being Catholic. Oh,
1: because you, you had to be in those classes in order for the scholarship to apply.
0: Oh, well, it was just mandatory, right? This was this, like, core curriculum everyone had to take. So um, I, I enjoyed being Catholic, but I didn't want it to be that big of a part of my life, right? Mm-hmm. It was kind of the... Um, the atmosphere of my life, but it wasn't internalized yet. When I was a freshman, the campus minister came up to me and said, hey, we need people to sign up uh, for Eucharistic adoration so that we can have it open all day. And the very masculine part of me said, yeah, I can sign up and commit to an hour so that other people can go and pray, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take one for the team there. <laughs> because uh, when you have uh, Jesus exposed in the monstrance, uh, he can't be left alone. Right. Someone has to be there.
1: Jesus is like up in heaven laughing, being like, got him. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, sure. So I would go and I would either do homework or I would pray a rosary or I'd fall asleep or I'd get, you know, just kind of doing yeah. all sorts of different things. And so every semester I would find a different time to do this. Um, in between classes. I was so busy, like so many people in college. I was working 30 hours a week, full-time student, had a very active social life. And this one hour a week was the only time in my life when I was like quiet Mm -hmm. and didn't have all these other demands on me. And I began to love it. I began began to love having this quiet time throughout the week. And I began to look forward to it more and more. Well, this was going on, there were a couple of other things. The classes I was taking were um, helping me think about my faith in an adult way, right? I would never kind of taken it on, uh, on my own. I just kind of learned facts. But this helped me to integrate, especially the church's moral teaching and, mm. you know, sexual morality was such a... Uh, What Christ teaches in his church is so much at odds with what the world offers. Right. Like I began to understand Especially like
1: in the college scene.
0: Yeah. I began to understand what Christ taught as like a path to happiness, not just random rules. And the third thing, I began to see people who were really living their faith out. Now, my family did this, but that's your family, right? And right. So you just chalk your family up to being weird <laughs> or being like in a different category. So like all three of those things began to work on my heart. And towards the end of my junior year, I was getting ready to apply to law school because I wanted to work in politics and, and do law. And, um, and I had this image come out of nowhere, Danielle of me as a priest in my mind. Right. And so I did what the most logical thing was at that time. I said, I said, I won't say exactly what I said. (laughs) I'll say no way. Like wrong channel, wrong person, Lord. I <laughs> sat back down, pulled out my astronomy book. <laughs> and I'm like, we're not going I'm only down that road. <laughs> I've been
1: there too. Not to call to the priesthood, but you're like, nope. <laughs>
0: yeah, like what the heck was that? Was it uh, like
1: you were celebrating mass or yeah, you were like was, in the collar or what?
0: It was like one of those pictures now you I see in the like uh catalogs for like priest vestments, right? Oh, I had the okay. vestments and like arms out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was okay. like the so most were, generic like celebrating mass. Right, okay. Right. Uh-huh. Um, But I'd never really thought of it before. And so that shocked me. So Mm. uh, I fought with that for a little bit towards the end of my junior year and the beginning of my senior year. I talked with a new campus minister. He was a former seminarian. So I thought, okay, this guy had the habit and kicked it, right? right? He's the <laughs> one who can, who can help me. So I talked to him and he said, well, you should talk to this priest. So I went and talked to this priest, um, a wonderful Milas Christie priest, Father Xavier Ray. And, he said, and I went to him and I said, Father, I think God might be calling me to be a priest. How do I get rid of that? Hmm. Right. Which was, I'm so glad now just thinking that he didn't like hit me or yell at me. Hmm. <laughs> he said, well, if um, you're never going to be happy unless you think about this and really discern hmm. it. So you should go on a retreat. I said, fine, whatever I need to do. So I went on a three day silent retreat, which was like so intimidating, right? Yeah. So no phone, no radio, yeah. no, no internet, nothing, no TV, of no course, talking. no talking, three right? Days. yeah. And there's all this tension inside of me and I, it was just eating me up. And so finally, at the end of my second day, I said, fine, Lord, you win. If you want me to be a priest, fine. Mm-hmm. I'll be miserable, but I'll be a priest because I'm sick of fighting with you. Right? I just mm-hmm. had it stuck in my mind that those two things were like parallel or commensurate, that priesthood and being miserable or unhappy, like mm-hmm. were, we're together, linked. And as soon as I said yes, as soon as I opened like the door of my heart just a little bit to what Jesus wanted, I received an amount of peace and a kind of joy that I had never known through any human relationship or any human achievement or anything else in my life. And I thought, wow, maybe this won't be miserable, right? Like maybe God really does want me to be happy. And it was like this light bulb went off. And so from that point, that was, you know, halfway through my senior year and I went and talked. uh, So this was Christmas break. And so on Christmas Day, my whole family, I told you I'm one of 10. A bunch of them were married at this time. I probably had like eight nieces and nephews, right? So they're like... 30 people whatever, 28 people over. And and, and everyone was asking about, you know, law school applications on Christmas. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of, you know, stalling. So after dinner, we're all kind of together. And I said went up the staircase and I said, Hey guys, I have an announcement to make. And Danielle, you could have heard a pin drop. Like we do not do that in our family. Right. And like I had never done that. And so everyone's like, what is going on? What is he going to say? Right. Like what could this possibly be? And so I told them, I said, you know, I feel really strongly the Lord. So you hadn't me. prepped,
1: like, anyone? No, like I told, mom, I told my dad. mom and dad. Oh, okay, yeah, they okay.
0: would have They would have killed me.
1: Right. I, and okay. they were the
0: only ones who knew I went on this retreat. Okay. So they knew, and I told my mom and dad ahead of time. But this was, like, telling everyone because um, uh, I wanted to tell them all at once. And, you know, I guess I didn't know how they would react, but they were all super happy and super, like, supportive. And so I told friends that next semester, and it, the reaction was everything from that's awesome to, like, what are you, crazy? Hmm. You throw in your life? Why would you do that? Right? Like every guy right. who has said he wants to be a priest, every woman who said she's going to be a religious um, gets that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't you know you're never going to be able to do this? Or don't you know this is, a, is you know, going to be miserable? Um, but throughout all of that, I just felt this tremendous peace. And so I entered seminary the next year and... I can tell you like all through the discernment of seminary leading to my ordination in 2011, it was clear that God was preparing my heart for the grace and the gifts that he wanted me to have to be his priest. Um, But it took uh, going and hearing his voice, right? Spending time with him. It took for me, the intellectual challenge to say like this can like what, what Christ teaches is not just like, Um, Shut your mind off and believe it But like we can really wrestle with it And come to understand it to some degree And it took seeing people live it out It took being part of a community that was really People were authentically living their faith right? Imperfectly in lots of ways But really striving for that And it took, you know, the Lord wearing me down in prayer. Um, So it's the most beautiful gift God had given. God gave me not the vocation to the priesthood, but the understanding of his deep love for me, Mm -hmm. because it was only in that that I could hear what he wanted me to do and where I would be most happy. So that's the kind of the... I don't know, medium version, not super long, but not short either of um, how I kind of fell in love with Jesus and how he claimed my heart and how like, so that was in 2011, eight years ago now. Mm. And when I was ordained and like, I tell you, like every year I just see how deeply he has prepared me to be his priest, how much he loves me and how much he desires me um, to be his instrument of his love and mercy for his people. And I'm so grateful that he's called me to be a priest.
1: What's the highlight? Eight years in.
0: The highlight of priesthood?
1: Yeah. Like what is the thing that you're like, dude, I love doing this thing. Huh. And two two highlights. One is like the like the continuous highlight that you're like, this is this is right for my heart. And the second is like, this is a high.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, like, you know, pretty much every priest you talk to says confessions oh, okay. and offering mass, like, or at least that I talk to. It's so, okay, like, so like, cool. like those are yeah. those are like clearly like
1: beautiful experiences. The
0: most clear examples of like being in the person of Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of put those in a different category for me. The two I'll talk about that I find beautiful and I'll do it quickly is um, being called to someone's house or a hospital when they're dying Hmm. to be with someone kind of at that moment and to bring them like, I don't know the person like 49 out of 50 times. But to bring them what I'm called to bring them as a priest, to bring them Jesus, yeah. to bring them his saving words. And there's this beautiful prayer called the Dude, Apostolic Pardon. Dude, that prayer Pardon. is so intense. The Apostolic Pardon?
1: I don't know, but I've heard parts of it before. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I have been, I have actually never been at the Last Rites, but okay. I've like been a part of like classes or stuff yeah. where like they'll talk about it and read mm-hmm. something, something Christian soldier
0: uh, i don't know it by heart, that okay. might be part of it, but it 's essentially the authority given through the Holy Father to every priest on for someone 's deathbed to wipe clean not just their sins but any temporal punishment due to sin, Dang. so to like clear them out of purgatory, speed them to heaven through the merits of the cross. And so that's why it's so important, listeners, to call a priest when a loved one is is close to death and yeah. not to wait until after they die, uh, but to give them the anointing of the sick and then to give them that apostolic pardon. I never get tired of doing that and what a privilege it is to kind of be invited into those really sacred moments. That's one. Mm-hmm. The other for me is how much it meant to share a word with someone, either hmm. a word of encouragement or you know, uh, to take an interest in, in a family or people like how much that meant to them. I'm an outgoing person naturally. Like I think we mm-hmm. both are, but like through my priesthood, how God was using me to like build people up encourage people and share with them the love of Christ, uh, on a one-on-one level. That was a surprise gift that I was super grateful to God for.
1: Dude, thanks for the God.
0: Deo gracias.
1: <laughs> hey. Hey, is this, is this? That, that
0: was like Italian. No, the way that, you did
1: it. no that was like <laughs> so so Mexican. Um,
0: okay.
1: So anyway, it's not okay. Anyway, so let's jump in. Marker four point one: Evangelizing the evangelizers. Did you write this? No,
0: the artist. <laughs> no. <laughs> get out of here. Yeah.
1: Um. So no, good good point. To become an effective evangelizer, one must first be evangelized, since we cannot give away what we do not have. How do we do that, you know? <laughs> this is like, like how how do we encourage people to love Jesus? But also, you're also director of evangelization, yeah. Jesus in schools. So with the role that you have, what kind of do you look forward into the future? And you're like, hey, church, this is what we need to be doing. Like, this is where I see you that we could grow.
0: You know, like, whenever we interview people on this show, we ask them to give their testimony, which yeah. is essentially like, how did you meet Jesus, right? right? Like, at what point did you encounter him and yeah. choose him? So- like evangelization is about giving people a moment to say, this is when Jesus is inviting you. Kind of a, a, a what do you call it? Drop your nets moment. Right. right? Um, and so that is a critical point in our lives, right? I don't, we'll talk at another, a later okay. episode about your when life, about okay. your life, Danielle. But like, I think about me, right? That moment that Jesus called me in adoration. Now mine's tied to priesthood. Right. But- That's just an aspect of it that he was like saying, I want more of your heart. I want not just a piece of it. I want all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that took a big, a big part out of like my plans for my life is to say yes to him. So evangelization takes place like in a moment, right? To say yes to Jesus. But it's not just one and done. Right. Uh, we have to do it again and again, right? Like the the cares of this world for me, kind of like the weeds grow up in my heart and I start getting attracted to other things, whether it's, you know, success or my own plans or things that come into my life that like are more exciting at times, right? And, and
1: they're not bad things. They might just be like Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, yeah. right?
0: But they're not essentially, they don't have to be bad. They're just, they're not the one thing necessary. So- I think when we talk about evangelizing the evangelizers we're we're doing two things we're saying people need a moment in their life when they meet Christ, drop their nuts and choose to follow him, but they constantly need to encounter him anew, right? Mm-hmm. I need that in my life. I need moments where Jesus kind of breaks in anew. right? Uh, and I think about like Peter in his life, right? Like Peter meeting Jesus, dropping his nuts and following Jesus, and then failing right. and him having to go back, right? Yeah. And then even after the Holy Spirit comes that Peter messed up, right? There's this great story of... um uh, Quo vadis, right? About uh, Peter, this legend or this tradition that uh, during the persecution of Rome, Peter was leaving Rome.
1: Oh, right! And he yeah. meets
0: Christ walking into Rome, and Christ says to him, Quo Vadis Petrus?" Right? Like, where are you going, Peter? Uh, or Peter says that to Jesus, "Where are you going, Quovadis, Domino, uh, Domine?" And Jesus says, "I'm going back into Rome to be crucified again." And Peter says, oh, snap. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Point taken, Lord. You want me to come back and be persecuted, you know, to stay with your persecuted church. Um, I think Peter needed that again and again. And our Holy Fathers talk about that. Uh, This is what evangelize the evangelizers Mm -hmm. need. That we need uh, even people who are sold out for Christ need moments and care to be be re-energized and to make that commitment again to, uh, to give our hearts to him.
1: There's a friend, a dear friend I have in ministry. And sometimes he'll say, Danielle, sometimes I don't want to be a waiter at the feast anymore. I just also want to sit down and eat. And I think that sometimes people who are like actively like ministering and in ministry and evangelizers, they can, they get to that point too. Like, Hey, I need, I need to, to be restored too.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of priests need that too. Yeah. I think as priests, like, I don't know if you're talking about a priest or a lay person. No, it was but a lay
1: person. Yeah, Good question
0: though. I mean, for, for me, that happens a lot, right? Yeah. Like, like as a priest, we're called to pour ourselves out. The first task of a disciple isn't to go and serve. The first call of the disciple is to go and be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's not a one-time thing. We have to keep going back, right? He calls his disciples to come away and be with him. And then he sends them out. And that's why a life of prayer, like consistent, real prayer, not kind of like, you know, a quick prayer while you're driving or in the shower or while you're shaving or like while you're falling asleep. Like sign of the
1: cross. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which is a great prayer and I love it. Yeah, Yeah. But
0: like to be on the forefront of doing the Lord's work means we are carving out time in our life to say, I'm just going to be with Jesus. Uh, You know, a priest I know uses the phrase wasting time with Jesus, which just kind of hits at the heart of it, right? Mm -hmm. That like, this is totally unproductive by worldly means, but I need to encounter Jesus. And I know that I'm not just kind of a functionary. I'm not just a waiter. The Lord wants me to receive uh, what he is serving, what he is giving at the feast.
1: I think that um, one of my friends gave me a quote, I think it was from maybe St. Bernadette, but it was, we cannot just be channels of grace. We have to be reservoirs, right? Mm. So it's like like have a deep, deep reservoir yeah. of this grace so that you're not just like consistently depleting yourself, Yeah, um, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, I, and this is the kind of the, the axiom. We can't give what we don't have, right? right. If we're just a shallow right. kind of pond or a little rivulet. I don't even know if that's a word. Rivulet, a small stream of water or liquid.
1: Look at you, William Shakespeare, just making up words. (laughs) Billy F,
0: yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, then we're going to get dry really quick. Yeah. Right? But we have to keep going back to the Lord so we can be that deep reservoir, not just for the volume, but for what that deep water offers, right?
1: I've been really moved in recent weeks by the story. I mean, like, this is also one of my favorite stories of um, the woman at Bethany who brings the oil to Jesus, like it anoints him. And people were like, this girl could have been sold 300 days wages for the poor. And she's, and like people also, like some scholars say that that was her dowry. Right. So like that was essentially her future. And she's like, here you go. Here's everything. And I think it's a
0: sign of her virginity for the Lord is what a lot of people point to. And so
1: she's like, here you go. Here's everything I have. Here are all my dreams and my future. I think that's a really cool story that kind of ties into.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jesus wants us to do that. Um Chesterton wrote this piece um called uh I think it like on the goodness of rash vows. Like he wants us to do Wait be what? On the rightness or goodness of rash vows. But like Tell
1: me more about this.
0: Like when you're in love, like you, right. you commit to like like this is what I'm going to do, and it, and, you and it don't sounds like exciting think, and yeah, awesome, and you don't think through every like permutation of what it's going to demand, yeah. Um, but it's like, no, that's what it means to be sold out for Christ. Um, I mean, that's such an important part of the life of a disciple is to not be calculating everything we say or do, but to be caught up in a relationship with a Lord who loves us in a kind of generous and reckless way.
1: So you had three things that kind of like formed you into priesthood, right? Because yeah. you had watching well, people living out their faith. Yeah. Being challenged on like a intellectual, an intellectual yeah. level. I'm sorry I forgot the third one. What was it?
0: Um spending time with Jesus and adoration. All right, spending time with Jesus. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No.
1: Anyway, like So that was like, that was like a season of your life, right? So do you, do you still find that those are the effective ways that you evangelize yourself? Or do you feel like there are new ones for this new season? You
0: know, that's, that's a great question. I had not thought of those as like ongoing categories, But they are. Oh, okay. I know I need to go and be alone with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that means saying no to things that maybe like are more exciting or maybe like, you know, my personality wants to go do. But I know that that's the most important thing I can do is to go and be with him. So that's absolutely necessary. Does that gonna, take
1: like rigorous planning for you? Cause it does for me. I have to be like, no, absolutely not. This thing has to stay.
0: It does. And it takes a lot of messing up, right? Like, yeah. oh, I can go do this and uh, I can yeah, do that. Dog, and then it's like, weekly. Jesus is getting the scraps of right. my life, right? Yeah. Like, no, that's not, not at like all what want. Not like the lavish time, yeah. Right. Um, so it takes a lot of like mistakes and then saying, okay, Jesus, like I, I do need to be rigorous about this is for you. And like the vibration of my phone isn't going to lead to like, oh, there's something else going oh, on. Right? Dude, same. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that's so key. You know, as a priest, being with brother priests and, mm-hmm. and other lay people who are in love with Jesus is infectious for me. I need that in my yeah. life um, to just be encouraged. You know, I went on a retreat uh, a while back, a silent retreat. There were seven other priests there. And just the brotherhood of all of us being like really serious about the silence and being in prayer. We did five holy hours a day and the rest of the time was totally silent. Um, Just seeing like these other guys living it out gave me the encouragement, the courage, the um, perseverance to say, no, this is worth it. Right. Yeah. Like I don't need to check on the uh, Eastern Conference Finals in basketball. <laughs> I don't need I to check like, on what like is that? right. <laughs> I don't need to check on like my Twitter feed right. about, you know, church politics or mm-hmm. uh, or anything like that. So that community is so crucial um for for my life. And then also like I need to continue to be fed intellectually. Yeah. And for me, Cardinal Ratzinger is the best person I can go to, to go and read Cardinal Ratzinger. Also goes
1: by a different name, in case the listeners don't know.
0: Pope Benedict the The Sixteen. Yeah, but most of what he's written is under his name as Cardinal Ratzinger. Well, I was just putting it out there
1: in case someone didn't know.
0: No, you're right. Mm -hmm. But the way he synthesizes and thinks about the faith Mm -hmm. and then approaches it, not just intellectually, but lets the the truth of the faith shape his mind and shape his heart is... um, yeah, his writings never get old to me.
1: Do you have like a favorite line of his?
0: His spirit of the liturgy is awesome. He he wrote an encyclical on love, Deus Caratess Est yeah. and there's some beautiful the one lines where, in there.
1: Oh I was gonna i read I read it the the other one about hope. He yeah, wrote, Space, Space, hope and love. yeah, Space Alve, That's where he talks about St. Joseph's. He Josephine kinda wrote, wrote a faith one. Yeah. Th- the
0: faith one, like he wrote and then yeah. Pope Francis became yeah. Pope and Pope Francis like, like published it under it? his yeah. name, but yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, Pope Benedict wrote most of this, right? but it's part of the kind of collective papal right. encyclical. So
1: anyway, stuff. Deus Caritas S.
0: So uh, yeah. Pope Benedict, Cardinal Ratzinger, and then there's another priest, uh, another writer who's been wonderful in my life, uh, Cardinal Venois, Albert Venois, uh-huh. um, who's a great scripture scholar, writes from uh, especially the letter to the Hebrews.
1: Is there anything like now that you, you know, are ordained and have been in ministry, is there any like new things that you find yourself using that you didn't know about like 10, 15 years ago?
0: Serving the people of God is so Mm -hmm. life-giving for me that I would say that's been a new, uh, a new avenue of God's grace and something new that's been uh, encouraging, And you know what? It encourages me. Uh, I always feel like this is a bit of a corny line, but it's true. It encourages me to be a better priest, hmm. like whether it's hearing confessions or like just being with the people of God and seeing their faith says like these people deserve a better priest than I am right now. Hmm. And so like, Lord, make me a, a holier priest. Make me a priest who can more clearly image the heart of Jesus for for your people, Lord. Um, and so that's been a huge encouragement for me to become, to be evangelized more, right? To like set my heart on fire to do God's will more and more.
1: So this le- this letter talks about encounter, grow, and witness. And I think that a lot of times, I'm just going to speak for myself and like the ministry that I do. It's maybe sometimes a temptation to focus on encounter a little bit. Yeah. This, this marker is talking to Working with people who are like the witnessers. Do you feel like we do a decent job like that as a church? Do you feel like we could do a little better? At
0: what? At the witness piece? No, like... like
1: the balance? Um, like caring for... Letting
0: people finish like, their sentences?
1: <laughs> no, like caring for the people who are evangelizing, like giving them good formation, giving them like good experiences or do... I don't know.
0: I think if you're at the stage of witness, mm-hmm. like part of that is your own ownership mm-hmm. of your spiritual life. Now, not that the church doesn't have a, like the church, you know, leadership, doesn't have a role to play in pastoral care for you. But I think part of it is like, just knowing like, hey, I need to, I need to go on a retreat. I need to say no to this request Mm -hmm. of me. I mean, you see this in your life, right? That a part of that stage is um, seeking that out yourself. Um, So this last line of 4.1, Every one of us is called to and capable of sainthood. Saints mess up a lot, right? So accurate. <laughs> but It's saints,
1: incredible and I love it.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. but saints are like constantly getting up and saying, Jesus is the center yeah. of my life. And in that instance, he wasn't. I need to repent of that and put him back on the throne of my heart. And, um, and I know I have to keep doing that. And I know my brother priests have to keep doing that, uh, you know, our lay witnesses have to keep doing that. So when we talk about witnessing and evangelizing the evangelizers, I think part of the witness is like, I'm not perfect and I keep messing up, but I, I don't accept like a compromised goal of my life mm-hmm. other than to be transformed into the saint Jesus wants me to be.
1: Um, two questions. Okay. One, what would you be patron saint of though?
0: Ooh, patron saint of, uh, I grew up in Macomb County. So, I would love to be the patron saint of i County? County if that happened, yeah. Dude, that would be I mean, super I don't know, cool. like I don't know if counties have patron saints. I, uh, I don't think they do. In the like cities have saints, Italy.
1: so yeah, why not? Yeah, I grew up
0: in Sterling Heights, so I'd take that.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> patron saint of Sterling Heights, yeah. Saint Stephen Pullis. dude, and, that would be and, great.
0: And like, I'm pretty well known for my red hair, so oh, yeah. Like, I don't know if redheads have uh, uh, a patron pat- yet? patron saints, but I, that I would out. take that. Okay. Those, those would be my top two. Nice.
1: Um, and as you know. We often close with some love for our listeners. So anything you'd like to say to the listeners today? But
0: just a word of encouragement that Jesus, um, uh, Jesus wants your heart and he doesn't want a part of your heart. He wants all of your heart and you will be the happiest and the most fulfilled and the most joyful if you give Jesus all of your heart every day and repent when you don't do that. Jesus wants your heart. Give it to him.
1: to talk to Father Steve and learn more about his testimony. It's a huge grace when people share how God has been working in their lives. I hope that you have some time this week to share how God has been working in your life. And once again, before we say goodbye, if you liked this episode, please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your trader Joe Cashier. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit.
0: Are you ready?
1: Um, I kind of am.
0: What? I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center.
1: And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy.